don't stop reaching out. You're not isolated, no matter how tight or dark, heavy that box feels. You're not by yourself. Your mind is going to tell you that. The and you may feel like that, but you're not by yourself. Continue to reach out to uh, whether it be social media. Some if there are you know there are hotlines and things that you can call. Um, but continue to reach out, especially when when you're at your breaking point, and those breaking points are multiple points. They they come. Um, and so you're not by yourself. And yes, it, it can and will get better. It's just that you're so far in the hole, in the tunnel, in the box. You just can't find that light, but it's there. Um, but if you stay where you are, you'll never find it. But just keep moving. Just keep moving. Welcome to the Daily Naked Pair Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. On today's show, we'll be discussing ways to get your typical children to interact with their neurodiverse friends. Hello, Naked Parent Nation, and welcome to today's episode of the Naked Parent Podcast. My name's Chad Ratliff, and I'm your host. Before I introduce you to our guest today, let me share a little message from Naked Parent Nation. Naked Parent Nation is a worldwide community of parents and professionals raising children with all kinds of needs. We come together to share our naked truth, support our fellow parents, and inspire the inner growth that each of us needs to build the life and family of our dreams. For those that are struggling, we want you to know that we will love you until you can love yourself. For your children, we pray and send power from our collective group. Naked parenting is the process of moving from where you are to where you want to be. Naked Parenting understands that the mind is responsible for all of our problems. As you shed the layers of your old programming and beliefs, you will return to the deepest truths of your own being. Do what you've always done and receive the life you are living or create the vision you want for your family. Combine that with an elevated emotion, support from our community, and you can live the life of your dreams and beyond. We have the power to create any kind of life we want for ourselves and our families. We do this by living in the naked present moment, one day at a time. This is your first time connecting with us. I hope you feel the love that's here for you. Together, we walk different paths side by side. So let us continue our journey with a short meditation uh, to ground ourselves, to give ourselves that love and that space and that time that we need and deserve. So if you want to find a comfortable place, if you're sitting, sit up tall with a straight spine if possible, and then let your eyes fall closed. Again, the sensations in your body we're going to talk about noting thinking, noting feeling. Noting is a way to reduce anxiety. So just 
feel your body relax. You feel it tense in certain areas. Allow that tension to soften. Take a few moments to scan your awareness down through your body, from your head to your toes. Try and feel where you have sensations as you focus on your breath. If you get distracted, try saying to yourself, thinking. Or if you feel a sensation or some tension somewhere, say feeling and start noting when you get taken away from thoughts or when you get distracted with feeling. See if you can actually note any strong distractions without getting too caught up in it. If some troublesome emotion arises, see if you can note it. It might be anger. It might be sadness or worry. So noting it as anger, sadness, or worry. Just be clear about what it is and be gentle. Note it gently. And after you note it, come back to your breath. Don't worry if it's difficult to identify your distractions. If it's not immediately clear, then just leave it as thinking. And after you've noted a few feelings or thoughts, Just let your mind be free. And then when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. And you might ask yourself, how did that feel? Was there any sense of anxiety having to note those different sensations or thoughts? If it didn't frustrate you in any way, then congratulations. Um, if it did annoy you some, next time try to note thinking and feeling without 
worrying or getting too involved in what you're doing. So it's a chance to take some time for yourself and get that space. And for me, since adding two meditations a day, even short ones, one in the morning and one mid-afternoon, my life has transformed in ways that have been amazing. So I hope everybody finds their own space. But I'm excited to get to our guest today, hear more of her journey. I'd like to introduce you to Tiffany Johnson. Tiffany is an amazing single mom. The little bit of time that I've had to talk with her, I'm excited for you all to hear her inspiring journey. She's on a mission to help other parents navigate this journey of raising children with autism. She has a lot of love and determination, and she understands the challenges and triumphs of parenting her amazing son. Uh, he happens to be on the autism spectrum. And despite having family and friends willing to help and support, there's been many times where she's felt alone and overwhelmed. And she intimately understands the unique challenges and joys that come from parenting and this journey that we're all on. And as a result, she loves to uplift and help other parents raise their children. It's been become a passion of hers. And she's found peace in speaking with parents who share the authentic experience, joys, and challenges of being an autism mom. So Tiffany, we're excited to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate the, the invite and I'm excited to be here. Yes, we're excited to have you. So you're calling in from Atlanta? Or? Yes. It's All Covington, right. which is outside of Atlanta, 30 minutes, 40 minutes outside of Atlanta. So tell us a little bit about what your home life looks like, you know, a little bit about your son. Just give us a, a, a picture of Tiffany and... Speaking of my son, he's interrupting. Uh, <laughs> I have to have his Chick-fil-A. He was making sure I ordered his Chick-fil-A on time. Sorry for isn't that. that the, uh, is, isn't the original Chick-fil-A from Georgia? It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, that is his, he eats Chick-fil-A every day. Um, so he was making sure uh, he likes to watch them deliver it. Um, and so he was making sure I had his Chick-fil-A on time. So I apologize for that. He's on it. He's yes. on it. That's awesome. That's cute. So tell us a little bit about you, you guys. Um, so my son is 14. He was, um, I, I was, I mean, was an educator uh, for 19 years before changing professions. So at about one and a half, I started to see some signs that there may be autism. We had a certain little path in the house that he would constantly run. Um, he was always very, very, very energetic. Um, and some mild hand flapping um, and being in education, I kind of seen some of the more general signs of, of autism. So I took him to get tested at the Marcus Institute. But it was one thing to kind of speculate. Um, and have that sense, but then to actually hear um, the diagnosis, that, that felt, um, it was very heavy. Um, and being, one, my pregnancy was unexpected. Um, and so, one, dealing with, oh my goodness, I'm getting ready to have a child, um, a year and a half later to 
you know, hear the diagnosis, I immediately blamed myself, thought it was maybe something I did. Was it something I took during my pregnancy or did not do during my pregnancy? Uh, and so it was very heavy for me for a while um, because it felt like everything else began to be very blaring. His autism was so vivid to me now where before I maybe some denial in there just didn't want to, you know, recognize it. But then it, it felt like all of the behaviors became just very apparent. And um, early on, the, it was like almost having your heart broken every day, you know, just watching. It was more apparent for me being around my friends and their kids because um, we all have kids around the same age and they're boys as well. And the play and interaction was just, you know, completely different. So um, it was a lot for me. I didn't know how to handle it, what to do, having to constantly explain certain behaviors and felt like I need to apologize for everything, temper tantrums and, and meltdowns or um, just not responding to, you know, people trying to interact. It was a lot. Fast forward to now, he has been the greatest teacher I have ever had. I've learned just patience. And one of the biggest things is appreciating the little things. You know, while everybody else might have been celebrating the typical milestones at five, we were celebrating getting our socks on independently. Yeah. Um, you know, so just now we celebrate everything. If it's doing something, like new foods are a big celebration. Um, and then if you'll even take it to lunch is another celebration. And so it's just, it's, it's really helped me to slow down um, and just appreciate everything he is. I'm an athlete. I play basketball in college. I coached basketball for 20 years. So when I found out I was having a boy, I was like, oh, I was, I had already given him this life that I thought he was going to yeah. have. I, I was ready to be, I was going to be the best team mom ever. I'm a coach. I, I'm an athlete. I get it. I knew I would know how to interact with the coach. I would just know everything would be great at that. Yeah. And not that the diagnosis meant that that dream was gone, but I just didn't know for me not, you know, even though I was an educator, just not knowing what everything could turn out to be had to give that dream up and kind of almost like call it like grieving the life that I thought I was going to have. And it literally felt like, like grief because I had already had his first 10 years of life, you know, mapped out while it was nothing of my first dreams. Um, I couldn't have dreamed of um, what he's been to me so far. So with all the struggles, all of the repetitiveness, all of the unknown, still trying to figure it out, has become a blessing in that sense. And some of my perspective, um, and you know, being around other parents without um, they have children without disabilities, sometimes they take for granted just little things. And just yesterday, sat at the table talking to one of my uh, friends' kids, and they just sat down. I was just watching them laugh with each other, and I was like, "Don't take that moment, you know, for granted of just sitting there joking on each other because." My son and I don't have that conversation. So that's routine and casual for you, but that's some, that's another person's dream. So, you know, sometimes still become jealous at times, but I do know, felt like my son was designed for me all in the same sense. I don't, I feel like nobody else could be, he couldn't go to anybody else. He had to be for me. Um, it's it, again, filled with ups and downs as it is, but I, I am grateful and thankful for the experience nonetheless. Uh, you, you said you shared the that journey in a, in such a beautiful way, and I'm sure there's people listening right now who are kind of still in the heart of the anxiety. You know, just got the diagnosis, 
just had their heart broken for the a week straight. And I remember, I mean, I couldn't see the grounded place where you are now, you know, because it just seemed like life was going to be chaotic and depressing forever. How does that process evolve? Like, what do we say to these other parents that just had their life taken from them? I'm into basketball too. So like, what do we, how do we help them know that a beautiful story is going to unfold? I think the first thing I had to do was let go of the story I had written for him and for myself. Um, So as long as that barrier of perspective was in the way of what my reality was, there was always going to be a battle. Um, And so you you have all of these pictures and of how even just being a parent should be. And there's no script for any kind of child of, I know there's parenting books everywhere, but you can read all the books in the world and still get it wrong. Um, And so for me, the very first thing I had to do was let go of everything I thought it was going to be and just take the day, the moment, the experience for what it was in that moment and not have expectations of what I think he should do or what I think I should do and just act on the best thing I know to do in the moment. If that was wrong, where my son and I were both in a learning experience of learning this new world for us. Um, So in creating a space over time for me to learn and not taking, and not coming from the perspective I should already know. Because anytime I felt like I should already know something and couldn't make it happen, that's when my emotions were heavy and just, again, not meeting my own expectations, all the expectations I jumped up thinking that other people should have for me. But when I just stopped and let all of the forecasting of what I think should happen and just stop and be in those moments with my son had allowed me to appreciate just a single second of no meltdown. Like, okay, this is going well. Or, okay, we're in a meltdown. Let's let's figure this one out. Can I, can I even figure out where this one came from and um, start to figure those things out? So giving myself grace and space um, no matter how much somebody else said, it's okay, it's all right. Inside, I was that, a, a rage of emotions, angry, upset, crying. I think I was probably depressed for a year and a half and not, not knowing it. But when I just stopped and said, like, nobody knows the right answer to this. There's not. There's just what we do when we do it, as long as, you know, it's done with love and safety and, and care. However it goes, releasing myself from the outcome and just in the moment, what do I think needs to happen? Were you ever able to find support through this? I know you said that you have loved ones, but have you, did you ever find um, any support through the years? Yes. Um, what, I have a friend. We've become good friends. She was a teacher at the school with me and her son prior to me being pregnant coaching basketball he was one of the boys basketball managers his name was josh and he was so cool and i just loved her interaction with him and always wondered like how did you, you know how did you do it and then um she was still there when i had my son and she became a confidant um, for me just when i didn't know in those moments what to do and how did you get through it how did you have the conversation with with family members she was very, very, very instrumental. I don't even know if she knows that, um, honestly, but she was very instrumental in me 
being able to be honest about what I was feeling. I mean, not having to sugarcoat it or, you know, you put on the face because as a parent, you feel like you're not supposed to feel bad about parenting or even questioning, should I have even had, like, can I even do this? She was very instrumental in me having someone who shared an experience of having a child with a disability. She's become a confidant for me. And then I do have um, some friends who are just, um, I'm in it with you. You don't know. We don't know. And there's no judgment. But I think, you know, having, you still feel it no matter people say it, but you feel that judgment when you're places. But I did have some friends where I truly felt like I could be honest and say that I don't know what I'm doing in this moment. I'm struggling. Um, and they would be there. And my, my parents have been amazing as well. The parent support groups that were around were, uh, I don't know how to explain it, were authentic to me. I felt like they were people who wanted to participate to say they held a group, not necessarily really trying to share experiences. They were giving out the basic information about where you, where else you could go to get help. Um, so I didn't really feel as comfortable as I did with some of the other parents who I just had acquaintances with um, through the school. Nice. Have you, you know, one of the topics that we wanted to touch on was, is there a way to connect our neurodiverse kids with typical kids out there? Because a lot of times my special needs kids are kind of isolated, you know, they're not getting invited to the birthdays and the groups that are getting together. Have you ever figured out, have you ever been able to get your son connected with other people, other kids? Yes, there there are some things that I have incidentally found out that worked. I would, we had a birthday party for him here and invited some friends and my son was complaining how cold the water was. He couldn't take it. The other kids, it's not even that cold. All you have to do is, it's not. And so I had a, you know, little kiddie pools and I put a whole bunch of ice in the pool. We had cooler ice and I said, now get in that water. I'm not getting there. Why? Because that's too cold. I said, yes, that is how the water feels to Gavin. But it's not like that. Well, what it, it is, I'm telling you the ice is not that. You saw me put ice in there, but I'm telling you it's not that cold. Why do you believe it is? Because it is. I felt okay. Well, what, you know, so doing some of those things to help them understand it's not just based off your judgment. He has extra sensors. So I, you know, would, would use um, superhero kind of things for some of the kids to explain. So that was one instance where I started thinking, oh, well, maybe how can I immerse other kids in some of his sensory type issues? Um, and so I would do things. I would ask kids, what, what are they scared of? What don't they like? I said, what if that was the only thing here? Like that was, well, I wouldn't come. Okay. So for Gavin, this experience feels like that, but we don't want him to feel like that. Well, then I would kind of show them some things they could do, um, you know, not being too loud or uh, I would turn the radio up and try to talk to them and I can't hear you. Well, when there's other sounds around, that's what he's experiencing. So if this was you, how would you communicate and making them be creative of, well, how do you think you can talk to Gavin, even though he has his headphones on? Like, what can you do to, you know, so doing some of those immersive things um, helped in the kids um, kind of treated it like a game somewhat. And so Gavin liked them trying to communicate with him. And I found him sometimes saying he couldn't hear them when he could just to make them 
do other things. So then he became excited to interact and then explaining to them. I have a, a like phrase I use. Um, I know we have autism awareness and we have acceptance. Um, so I do awareness, acceptance, understanding, and then empower. Um, so yes, you know, we do have to be aware, um, but just because you know something's there doesn't mean you have to do anything with it. And just because you accept it doesn't mean there has to be um, any interaction as well, but um, getting them to understand it. And then how can we empower Gavin and how can you be empowered to um, interact? So I've done little things in classrooms and with some of my kids friends about immersing them in what Gavin may feel or other kids with autism and how their sensories feel. I would use a pillow to explain pain, um, you know, where Gavin doesn't respond to pain or like, I have to really check to see if he's hurt because he won't, he's, he has flipped off of the hoverboard and not one tear. And I see blood and I see. And so, you know, kids are looking at him like, he's not crying. Those are some of the sensory things, you know, to talk about. So I'll use a pillow, you know, hit the pillow and say, I can hit the pillow this hard. And Gavin may not feel it. I said, but does that mean you should hit Gavin? I said, is the pillow still dented? Yes. So Gavin still gets injured, but he may not feel it the same way. Or, you know, doing little things of tickling them when he's really not ticklish. So the difference in sensories, things like that. But that has worked in my circle um, and in, in my classrooms, just because I have the relationship with the kids to be able to play with them. And they do care about Gavin in that sense. I still have, you know, those fears, though, of um, when he's in, he's in eighth grade and everybody doesn't care to accept, be aware or understand. So those fears are still there. I haven't cracked the complete code, but just a couple of things that I, I've tried to do to immerse them with the kids that are close to them. Some great ideas. I love that. Um, the listeners know that I usually ask for a favorite quote. I And I personally um, identify with yours. Change is inevitable. Growth is a choice. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means to you or why that inspires you? Yes, especially the change of one having a child with autism and he's going to change. Life is going to change and you can keep trying to hang on to it and fight that battle, and which is a losing battle, or you can adapt and grow with it. And so what has helped is every time he changes, okay, this is something new. I have to change. I have to change too. I've stopped trying to hold on to how it used to be um, because it seems like right when you have a routine, okay, he likes this food. Okay. So I buy 80 boxes of this food. Then all of a sudden, nah, don't want it anymore. You're like, I have 500 boxes of Fruity Pebbles back here. Um, So just, you know, understanding that it's about growth and getting better with it. And growth doesn't always feel good. So um, it's it's the reminder that um, growth is uncomfortable. Um, but you can choose your hard. You know, you can try, you know, be hard staying the same or you can do the hard work to change and adapt. So I use that everywhere with my athletes, my perspective on dealing with autism and just in general. You know, I know that I know that playing the victim doesn't get anyone anywhere. And and I know that from personal experience, but there's just sometimes, you know, as a single parent, see that married couple over there, uh, you see the kids doing these things and you're going home to your house, you know, kind of by yourself. Like, how do you care for yourself? How do you 
get the strength to not go to that place? Um, that that is something that I, I'll be honest, kind of hits me in waves. Yeah, one season of life, it's like okay, just got to deal with it, and you keep moving. But then the other season, looking around, uh, right now, what has worried me in that sense is Gavin's an only child. I'm a single parent. If something happens to me, yes, my family will take care of him, but he won't have me. So it's uh, where I see other families that have multiple kids. They can take care of each other and they'll, they'll have, have grand. I don't know if I'll ever be a grandparent or even, you know, I don't, I don't, I am careful not to cut things off in, in my belief, but just honestly having a higher spiritual um, belief to fall on that things are the way they are. And it does get, heavy and daunting and you question why me why my son uh, what did I do how am I gonna get through it but I think when I start to just think about myself I think that's kind of when it gets heavy but when I think about is Gavin happy he's happy right now um and, and stepping outside of just me and thinking about him and Am I doing everything within my power? And if I'm doing everything within my power, there's nothing else I can really do. And having to be okay with the give. Did I give a hundred? The answer is yes. I just have to, you know, pray and have faith that that outcome is going to be something safe, successful, fun, happy, you know, all those other outcomes that we want. Um, but it, it does get hard to, to shake off the victim sometimes because it, it Every stage, there's another reminder that Gavin is not where other people are. I'm not in the same situation as other parents. And again, my, my spiritual faith is, is honestly where I, I go to, to stay above that. I love that. What do we need to do? What can we do to make, create a better world for like one in 50 kids are born on the spectrum? I mean, I know all the support that my kids need. Mm -hmm. If, if, if too many more come, I mean, I already know teachers are underpaid. There's not enough of them. Like, what do we have to do to, what do we need to be working on? Uh, I think more voices. And, and that, that's a very, very great, a great question. More, more voices and more stands on what do we need? Because it's, it's hard in the sense of the spectrum because there's so many various needs from one end to the other. There's the legislative piece that we need to definitely tackle um, to make sure to flip the perspective of making our kids adapt to the world around us when the world around them needs to adapt to who they are and painting a better picture of what that adaptation looks like. Um, I think there's been some movement in, in sensory rooms, things in different in airports and churches and various places, but not enough. So I think there have to be more honestly, people without, not just the parents that are in the experience, but having people that support our fight with us, that join in on making things happen um, and making the, the world around us have those adaptations for our kids and continue to be more vocal. And I, I feel like with autism, there are a lot of different foundations and avenues and websites. If we could collectively um, decide or, you know, find it seems like the there's various ones I don't necessarily want to mention any, but there'll always be, well, their motive is this, they they use this symbol or 
their motive is they just want money or what can we collectively do and who can we collectively get behind? And I think as long as there's so many different people or organizations that appear to be for profit or just for show, um, that it makes it hard for just parents to fight for what we want. Honestly, don't have a solution. All I can say is from my standpoint, I continue to be vocal, um, continue to grab those around me and, and help them understand my experience. Um, not an expert in autism, just an expert in my experience of it. Continue to share in platforms like the one we have here um, and get it out there so people can hear from our perspective, not just for parents that are in it, but if you love somebody with autism, if, if somebody next to you, you know, has a, a child with a disability being involved in that nature. That's awesome. I know how busy parents raising just parents are, let alone special needs. And so just taking the time to be, I really see you as part of the solution. I see you as putting in the effort to create a better world. And I thank you for that. I think we have to do that. And, you know, we're not always going to be here and we hope our kids going to be here longer than we are. Right. And, and like you said, who's gonna, how are we going to make sure that that situation is a good one? We do like just to get more of your experience, kind of like a lightning round where you give like one word to one sentence answers to a few questions, some more questions. Are you up for trying it? Sure, let's go. All right. What's the best advice you've received? Be the change you want to see. What kind of course or retreat or training would you like to see for parents? I think I would like to see more training for parents without kids with disabilities. I think there's, yes, we go to training on, you know, how to provide services and support for our kids, but more so when you don't have them, what's their training? Hmm. Interesting. I haven't had that one before. What's the next thing on your list that you want to add for your individual well-being? Two things definitely need to work out more. I am embarrassed at this point to say I'm a former athlete. Uh, work out more and just so that I, I am healthy for Gavin. Again, I'm, I'm pretty much all he has. So I need to take that more seriously. I'm going to take my health more seriously and finish the book um, that I have started about. Um, I have lessons, lo- lessons learned by loving my son with autism. So I've, I've started it and I need to finish that. Awesome. I look forward to, to reading it. Uh, what's one thing you think would improve your life if you did it or had it? Freedom. That's a tough one. Oh, I love it. I love it. I, I, all you can do is laugh sometimes. That's, <laughs> Jimmy Buffett yeah. said, if we couldn't laugh, we'd all go insane. And I identify with that. Yes. Uh, do you have a favorite product that you use for yourself or your child that you just love and couldn't live without? Mm. We heard Chick-fil-A, that one. Yeah, I was like- getting ready to say it's between Chick-fil-A and uh, taco shells. He eats Chick-fil-A and tacos literally every day for the past like three years. So um, <laughs> at this point, neither my son nor I can live without it. Right on, right on. Do you have a top resource or recommendation to share with other parents? To be honest, I don't. I haven't found the one. I've just researched and been able to pull different things from different people. I think platforms like this, to me, to honest, coming from parents and people in the experience versus websites and other things, anything that involved other parents. Nice. So I know you have a passion for helping other parents. Have you, are you turning that into kind of a a full-time career or are you just 
is that just something that you're you're passionate about doing what I, I I'm not turning it into not yet if it you know turns into that I, I would that would be maybe a piece of the freedom being there but as of now it's just something that I take the opportunity to do intently when I'm even um, sharing Gavin's we had, we do pizza tours just showing the fun parts of having a child with a disability is is kind of what I want to do because we're very aware of the struggles but I don't I haven't seen personally enough of the celebrations and the cool things that happen by having a child with disability. So that's really what I want to highlight as well. Awesome. I've loved our conversation. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. I learned a lot and I think you left a lot of nuggets for the listeners. Just kind of in closing to that, to the parent who's doesn't think they're enough. They don't think they're going to be able to pull this off. They don't see the light anywhere they they think that you had something figured out but it it doesn't look like that for them what do you what do you say to them in closing don't stop reaching out you're not isolated no matter how tight or dark heavy that box feels you're not by yourself your mind is going to tell you that the you may feel like that but you're not by yourself continue to reach out to uh, whether it be social media, some if there are you know there are hotlines and things that you can call, um, but continue to reach out, especially when when you're at your breaking point, and those breaking points are multiple points they they come, um, and so you're not by yourself, and yes, it it can and will get better. It's just that you're so far in the hole, in the tunnel, in the box, you just can't find that light, but it's there. Um, but if you stay where you are, you'll never find it. But just keep moving. Just keep moving. I love that. Tiffany, thank you. It's been a pleasure to to meet you. Maybe one day we'll be in Atlanta for a Lions, uh, Falcons, Super right. Bowl or something like that. Wouldn't that be yeah. insane? Um, there would be a, a Super Bowl to see who blows it first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but thank you. I've enjoyed this. And I appreciate you uh, reminding the listeners about how dangerous the the mind can be. I wish I just could like turn mine off. Yes. Not even have it as a part of the package. But uh, thank you. And I hope we can stay connected. And I'd love to hear about the book when it's ready to come out. Maybe we can do another show, get an update and hear about the book. For sure. Thank you so much. All right. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And um, tell Gavin, uh, we wish bon appetit. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. This concludes our show for today. And I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics, and the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes, and we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long. So long.